0: Eat that box in the name of Jesus Christ, amen. Forever waiting for someone to like us. Bitches love record players. Okay, don't swallow it, that's gross. Hello, my little sex kittens. This is Raven, and welcome to Raven After Dark. Hey, all you cool cat and kittens. Happy Titty Tuesday. What the fuck is going on, my little sex kittens? This is an extra exciting episode because, drumroll please, I'm recording my first ever episode in the pod lab. What's the pod lab, you say? Well, right now, it's the makeshift corner of my garage that I have stapled blankets to the walls and have an old mattress and a box spring set up in front of me to block the sound because I watched some videos on this magical thing called YouTube on how to make better quality podcast episodes and who would have thought I need to actually set shit up and not just sit on your couch so Thanks for dealing with the poor quality sound. I also got a brand new fucking mic set. It's been a long time since I've had something big and black in my face, but you know what? I think I can get used to it, and I think I really like it. So thanks for dealing with the poor sound quality before. I'm still figuring it out. All we can do is improve and get better. (laughs) So thanks, everybody. I appreciate it. The goal here with my pod lab is to eventually record videos, So you guys can see my beautiful self and my extra beautiful guests and all the people that I'm going to have on. It's definitely a process, but we're getting to it, okay? It's growth. Now, this is an episode that has taken me, oh God, maybe a month to do. And I don't necessarily know why. My ADHD has been a fucking bitch lately. I go tomorrow and get a QB test and I'm pretty stoked for that. We're going to finally dive into... Part two of how not to die alone. Now, let's be honest. The majority of us, and when you really think about it, everybody's going to die alone. But hey, we might as well have some fun along the way. Get some free meals out of it. Have some people tell us that we're cute. Quick side tangent. I'm in my garage and my cats are in here. My kitten's playing in my laundry basket. See, this is why I need a video so you guys can see this. It's adorable. Mm. She puts things in certain positions so she can't get them. So she's teasing herself on purpose. I love it. Okay, I digress. <laughs> so this week, we're going to get into the part two section of How Not to Die Alone by Logan Yuri. This section, we're going to talk about, you think you know what you want, but you're wrong, how to avoid the pitfalls of online dating. Online dating is a fucking bitch I got back on Hinge. We'll talk about that later. We're going to talk about meeting people in IRL, in real life, and how to find love off of the dating app. We're going to talk about going on a date and not turning that date into a job interview, because I think we've all done that, and how to create better dates. We're going to talk about fucking the spark, and how to reject myths about instant chemistry... And then finally, we're going to wrap it up with a nice little bow and talk about going on a second date and making it a fucking thing to get a bunch of second dates. Because I don't know about you, I get a lot of first dates and I find something small about that person that I don't like and I go, mm, on to the next. I don't need this. So let's get into this. We're just going to jump right in, both feet, head dive, boom. Getting out there, we think we know what we want, but we're actually wrong when it comes to dating. Yuri starts off this chapter by telling a story about how she swiped left on her now-husband on Tinder. What about his online profile did she not find appealing, but in real life she actually loved? It's all about the fucking apps and how they set us up and how they control our brains. Meeting online is actually the most common way that people meet these days. Meeting in bars is the second. Shockingly, online dating has only been around for 20 years. What we don't realize is that these dating apps are designing our dating environment. With dating apps being the way that they are, it affects the way that we make choices when it comes to relationships and partners. We may think that prefaces are permit, but they're actually very pliable. Example, Google did a research a few years back and realized that they had an air quote M&M problem. A team was assembled to see how they could decrease the amount of M&Ms being consumed in the office. The team used opaque jars and labeled them and put dried fruit and trail mix and other healthy snacks in the clear jars the type of snacks didn't change just what contained the snacks the environment had a huge impact on the employees when it comes to dating the dating apps is the environment it's all about how the information is displayed yuri talks about how when she talks to her client some talk about how they'll swipe no on someone in one app and then yes on another it's all about how the information is being presented to us Let's dive into the inner workings of dating apps and break down exactly how they affect our little lizard brains. Issue number one. Our brains focus on what is measurable and easily comparable. Apps display superficial traits that make us focus on these things even more. Studies have shown us what's really important when it comes to dating are things like emotional availability and how compassionate someone is. However, dating apps don't show us any of those qualities. How could they? Management consultants like to say, you are what you measure. In an article in the Harvard Business Review, it talks about how human beings adjust behavior based on the matrix they are held against. Anything you measure will compare a person to optimize their score. Example, a frequent flyer program. If an airline tells customers that a certain number of miles is important, people start taking crazy trips to collect miles so they can get a free trip or whatever the airline is offering. People have always put an importance on superficial traits but dating apps put an even bigger pressure on those traits. Simply by measuring, emphasizing, and presenting them, there is a term called evaluability. The easier it is to compare certain traits, the more important they seem. Example, let's pretend that you're into men. I come up to you onto the street and present two men to you. One of the men is 5'9", the other is 5'10". However, the shorter guy makes more money. Yuri's follow-up question is how much more would the taller man need to make for you to pick him? When I thought about this myself, I had a couple different angles. First off is I go for the short guy because he has more money. And right now, I'm trying to get that bag and get spoiled and treated like the king that I am. However, your girl loves me a tall man. Tall drink of water. And this bitch is thirsty. So I really don't know which one to come down to. We'd have to see. I think it depends on where you are in life and what exactly you're looking for. Also, I'd ask them about their dick. Maybe pull it out. Ask them some questions. When's the last time you made a girl orgasm? What's the most you've ever made a girl orgasm? Side tangent, I had this one dude make me orgasm 18 times. Magical. It may sound weird to try and think of a hard number that would, air quote, make someone more attractive. However, studies haven't done, and there actually is a hard number a shorter man would need to make an additional $40,000 more than someone who is one inch taller than him to be considered desirable. Damn short kings! It's not easy out there for you guys. You need to buy some lifts, get some pumps, okay? In real life, you probably wouldn't notice the difference between someone who is 5'9 and 5'10. Personally, I would. And you wouldn't compare someone's income because who asks? However, certain dating apps display that and make it seem more important than it really is. Reading all this really made my heart sad for all the short guys out there. Dating apps really aren't set up for short guys at all. I just encourage all the short kings out there to embrace your bodies and just go make as much money as possible. (laughs) No, short kings, you're doing great. You will find somebody who loves you for you and doesn't want you for your money. Unless you want a sugar baby, hit up your girl. interestingly enough when it comes to women's income men don't really care shocker very few men are inspired by seeing a boss ass bitch and her fat stacks they don't care about that they care about that fat ass what men care about most when evaluating dating matches was body mass index gross 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 y'all men are disgusting how dare you compare me To my BMI and how much body fat I have on me. I got that fat with a PH, daddy. (laughs) (laughs) Studies have shown that men prefer women whose BMI was 18.5%, which is slightly underweight, and they don't care about salary or education. It's not that men really care about physical fitness. It's just what comparable qualities men are stuck with. And I get it, okay? You just want to have some hot girl on your arm, some hot bimbo... Who doesn't have an opinion and just sits there and will suck your dick, metaphorically and physically speaking, all the time. That's cool and all, but maybe that's one of the reasons that I'm going to be alone forever. Because I'm a boss-ass bitch and I know what I want and I know how I'm going to get it. And yeah, I'll suck your dick, but I'm going to suck it on my terms, okay? Okay. Issue number two. We think we know what we want, but we're wrong. Yuri starts this section off by talking about how most of us really haven't dated that many people myself included. It's a goal of mine. I always get into long-term relationships. The past two years I've been trying to casually date and it's going okay, I guess. However, even though we haven't dated that many people, we all think that we're experts in what we want in a relationship. But really, we have very little experience in what we truly want and what's really going to make us happy. Most of us have no idea what kind of partner will fulfill us long-term. We have these checklists and we think we know what we want, but those are likely not qualities possessed by the person that we'll fall in love with. Our eventual partner could be completely different from what we expected. So when we meet people in the real world, you are most likely meet people that aren't your type. This made me think of the most recent guy that I was kind of talking to. He's definitely shorter than me. However, his vibe and personality made it feel like he was taller. Ultimately, it didn't work out, but we're still friends and it's cool. All right. Back to the apps. Let's focus. ADHD brain. Dating apps don't give you that chance because they weed out the people that aren't your air quote type. Yuri goes on to talk about how she did a study with people who met their partner in person. She asked them if they had seen their spouse online, would they have swiped right? Most people said no or they wouldn't have even seen them because of the settings they had on. The double-edged swords with setting on apps is that they have a way to filter down the amount of people that they are showing so the settings are necessary to an extent. However, most people when answering those initial, what are you looking for questions, don't put a lot of thought into what they're choosing. People are excited to get onto the apps and see their potential matches and not necessarily thinking about what qualities they're truly looking for in a partner. What we don't realize is how much of an effect this has on our dating experience. We are cutting out so many people who could be an amazing match, but aren't our height requirement or education level. So we have an option, of course, to go in and change the settings, but most of us never do, myself included. This is called the status quo bias. The tendency to leave things the way they are and not really rock the boat. Don't rock the boat. Don't rock the boat. An example of this is something that is subscription-based, such as a gym. Most memberships are set up so they automatically charge you. People are more likely to not call and cancel because they don't think about it. The same thing goes for dating apps. People won't change their settings. The app shows people who meet our initial criteria, the people that we think we want. If you believe that you would hate to date a woman who's taller than you, we're amazing, you're really silly. You'll never get a chance to be proven wrong because your settings will never show you tall girls. Number three. Apps present dating like like relationship shopping. Searching for potential partners like potential purchases. Many of us do research before making a major purchase. If you're looking for a car, you look for safety ratings and gas mileage. Dating apps create the illusion that we can make the same comparison, shopping for potential partners. Researchers used to call the transition from friends to dating, relation shipping. They now have a new term called relation shopping. Searching for a potential date, the same way we search for a new pair of shoes. This isn't the best way to go about finding a relationship, though. A team of behavioral economists explained in a research paper that many consumer items are searchable goods, things such as TVs, cameras, and laundry detergent, things that can be measured in their objective attributes. These things differ from experienced goods. Judging something by feelings they invoke rather than the function they perform. Example, puppies, movies, Perfume. Yet dating apps have turned us three-dimensional beings into two-dimensional searchable goods, giving us the false belief that we can break people down into parts and compare them based on these parts. Only by spending time with somebody and actually getting to know them can you appreciate them for the experience good they are. Number four. Dating apps make us way more indecisive on who to date. Dating apps give us so many goddamn options that it overwhelms our brain. I know I get overwhelmed with just DMs on Instagram. If I have more than five DMs, I just won't look at any of my DMs. Even if I've put something on my story that I should follow up on or reach out to people about, I just get anxiety with it. So when it comes to dating apps, I just feel overwhelmed (laughs) with the amount of people that are there. And I just sit on my couch and I go, "Mm, I'm just going to hang out with my roommate and my cats. We assume that having lots of options will make us happier when reality... It makes things worse. Having so many options can be overwhelming and causes us to give up, just like I was saying. There's this famous study that involves jam. The researchers went to a grocery store and set up a table with 24 jams, and then the next day set up a table with six jams. What they discovered is when they had 24 jams, more people were willing to try, but were less likely to buy any of the jams. When they had only six jams, people were able to pick out their favorite easier and Actually, purchase a jar of jam. When we have too many options, it makes us less satisfied with our choices because we wonder if we could have picked something better. Number five. When we see only a rough sketch of someone, we fill in the gaps with our own details. We create an unrealistic fantasy of this person, in which ultimately it leaves us disappointed. Do you remember the movie Clueless? There's a scene in there where Ty, the new girl, ask Cher, the most popular girl, what she thinks about her classmate Amber. She responds saying that she's like a Monet. She looks good from far away, but up close, she's a mess. Yuri has taken that scene and come up with her own phrase, the Monet effect. When we have a rough idea of someone, we fill in all the gaps and make them seem way more desirable than they are. It's only later when we get to know them that we see their true flaws. We can see this played out in the corporate world when companies pick new CEOs. When companies hire from outside of the company, they have crazy high standards. Internal candidates you know more intimately and you've seen their successes and failures. The Monet effect helps us to explain why external CEOs are paid more but usually underperform. The same thing happens when dating. Looking at a dating profile is equivalent to seeing someone from far away. So now you go on the date and maybe the person's voice annoys you. Or they don't have good table manners. Red flag with me. All these things are normal flaws, but are exasperated because we've already tried to put this person in a box of who we think they are as a person. You go into the bathroom and start the swiping journey again, looking at more matches to see if someone seems more perfect because of the Monet effect. We're filling in those little holes. Telling yourself that they're going to be better than Mr. Bad Manners over here. Then you go on another date. With the next tender person, and you realize that they have flaws, and the cycle continues. This creates a grass is always greener reaction. You always think that the next thing is better than what you already have. You're dooming yourself to an endless cycle of unrealized connections. How to date smarter? All these issues are working against us and making it harder to date. We're comparing people to unrealistic standards. Don't you worry your pretty little mind because there's a way to make dating apps smarter and better for you. Change those motherfucking filters, yo. The people that you see on your apps are a reflection of the standards that you put up when you originally joined. When you first signed up, you were in a rush to get through the process because you were just so excited and so thirsty to see all those people that were gonna pop up on your little screen. Did you really super think about how you were answering all those questions? No. So take a second, do it right now, update your settings, change them, mix it up, change the height, change the education, change the sexual orientation. Maybe start talking to other people of a different gender. Get a little crazy, get a little wild. So now that you've updated your settings, let's update how you swipe. We're all quick to judge on the apps. Don't act like you're not. When you see someone and they say their job is an accountant, maybe you've met somebody who's an accountant and you found them boring. So now, you think all accountants are boring. Not all people are the same. You have to be open to all types of people. The only way to figure out if you truly like someone is to go on multiple dates with someone that you wouldn't normally go on. Push yourself out of your comfort zone and date somebody new. We have to think about how somebody is more than likely more interesting than their dating profile suggests. However, you don't wanna go out with too many people at the same time. You don't wanna be juggling too many balls literally and figuratively that Yuri talks about how it's important to go on dates with different types of people but it's important to not overwhelm yourself with too many people this will only make the Monet effect worse you're going to start comparing those people against each other choose not to play the apps like a game Ease yourself get to really know these people give them a chance dating too many people is like the jam situation we talked about earlier yeah, you may have tried more jams, but you're going to be overwhelmed by all the options and you're going to go home jamless and have nothing and then you're going to be hungry and it's going to be 12 o'clock at night and you're going to have no snacks. So this whole time we've been talking about how to assess other people's profiles. Now let's break down your profile. Step one. This sounds like a given, but you'd be surprised. Pick great photos. What's the thirstiest trap you have on your dating profile? Hint: to a study on what pictures get the best responses. Let's break those bitches down. Pictures that have filters or make it look like you may be dating the person, whoop, 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 not a good thing. No dog filters here, baby girl. Group pics are also a no-go. You can have one at the end of your group pictures, but group pics suck because you don't know who the person is. And then you look at the picture and you pick the most attractive person and you hope that person is it, and they never are. For women, pictures that get great responses are ones of them standing alone, full body, looking away, and smiling with teeth. For men, however, standing alone, always great, want to have pictures by yourself, smiling without teeth, and looking straight onto the camera. Those pictures scored higher. Candid pictures always, always do better than posed ones. Selfies, not the move, and especially not dirty bathroom pics. Now, I think there is a way to take a bathroom selfie that can be cute, sexy, hot, whatever you're going for, but you got to make sure that there's nothing going on in the counter, the mirror's clean, and you don't have a toilet in the background. Nothing is arousing about a toilet in the background. Not about it. And surprisingly, black and white pictures did really well. Let's do an exercise. So now let's say you're not quite sure what pictures to put on your dating profile. Get 10 favorite pictures of yourself and send them to your friends. See what pictures they like and which ones they would suggest as the first picture, second picture, third picture, and so on. Getting outside opinions from people are definitely going to help you because sometimes when you take a picture of yourself, you may think it looks cute and then you turn to someone else and they're like, well, your face looks good, but your hand looks broken. Or back is so aggressively turned to make your butt look big it looks like you're the exorcist always ask your friends next step writing a thoughtful bio think about you as a person and not as the person you want to be or the person you are looking for i.e saying you like to hike and that you're an outdoors person on your profile but really you hate nature make sure your profile leaves room to start a conversation the way to start a conversation is to be specific instead of saying you like to cook say what your favorite dish is and why Focus on what you like and what you don't like. I think it's so funny when I see dating profiles that are all don't like women with strong personalities, don't like women who talk back, don't like women who wear blah, blah, blah. Like, what? That's not cute. That's not attractive. Don't tell me what you don't like. Tell me what you like. Have you ever matched with somebody they are super attractive? Their profile looks cool. They start into your DMs and they just go, hey, or my haha, favorite message to get from somebody, WID. You couldn't even type out, what are you doing? You you put WID. I can't, I, I can't even, I can't stand for it. How fucking lame. You got to make sure that you have a good opening line. You got to freaking throw that rod out there, that fishing line out there and broop, hook them, sink them, get them in a lip. Come on, start a conversation. The goal of the opening line is to start a conversation and engage with that person. If someone just says, hey, hey is for horses. Shit falls flat. You want to have something fun and easygoing to say. Another crazy thing and something that I struggle with just being consistent in all aspects of my life is that you make sure you stay in communication with that person. When you're on a dating app and you start talking to somebody, the goal is to meet that person in person as soon as possible. Texting nonstop is boring and create a false sense of intimacy. And it's also really hard to know somebody over text messages. I can think of very few people, maybe like five or so, that I'm okay with texting continuously throughout the day if we're having an actual conversation. I hate the basic bullshit banter text. If I don't know you, I'm not trying to... Oh my God, there's a fat mosquito in my garage. That's not good. If I don't know you, I can't fucking focus now. If I don't know you, I'm not trying to tell you my life story and all the fucking trauma that I've been through over text messages. It's just not going to work. You also don't want to wait too long on planning to hang out because then you can lose your momentum. If you feel that this person is wanting more of a pen pal than someone to hang out in person, call them out in a lighthearted way. Say something like, I really enjoy our banter and would love to see how things would get along in person. What do you think about getting some snacks? Or, the next time they start telling you something interesting, say, wait, 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 I have to hear this in person. When are you free to talk more? So let's wrap up this chapter. Mm. Oh my god, that mosquito is getting closer to me. Please don't bite me. Ooh. Wrapping up this chapter. One. We think we know what we want when it comes to a partner, but our intuition on what we think will lead to long-term happiness is often wrong. Two, dating apps may cause us to focus on the wrong things. We value what we can measure. Because dating apps can only measure superficial traits, and they are exasperated by our shallowness. Three, apps can make us more indecisive by overwhelming us with choices. They have created a habit of relationship comparing and contrasting people as if they were potential purchases. And number four, we can learn to swipe smarter by expanding our settings to see more people, being less judgmental with people when we swipe, dating fewer people at a time, and transitioning from the dating app to meeting in person faster. Alrighty, ready, ready. So we've talked a lot about meeting people on the apps. Meow, let's talk about meeting people, IRL, in real life. Mm. Meeting people in real life can be hard and scary, especially during a pandemic. Yuri has laid out four of her fave ways to meet people in real life. Numero uno, go to events, put your shit out there. When thinking of events to go to, Yuri breaks it down into two questions we can ask ourselves. One, how likely is it that I'm going to interact with people at this event? Number two. You want to go to an event that you can actually talk to people. Yeah, watching a movie is cool, but you can't and really shouldn't be talking to people during a movie. To hold yourself accountable, tell somebody or group people about your event planning and give them a deadline when you'll have this accomplished. And then follow up with your friends. Tell them how it went. I challenge you to go to an event this month, something new, something different, step out of your comfort zone, and then slide into my DMs and tell me all about it. I want to hear about what you're doing. Maybe I'll go with you to the event, depending on what it is, and we can try to find the love of our life together. Number three, how to make the most of the events. You may go to an event, but if you just stand in the corner all night, not talking or mingling, you're not really helping yourself, and that doesn't count. So, go alone. It may be scary at first, but it makes you more approachable, and it forces you to talk to people. I've gone out a couple times by myself, and I've gone to shows a couple times on myself and I really enjoy it because it does push you to step out of your comfort zone and talk to people and especially when you go to raves people just start talking to you and people and they're are like if you're at a bar situation people will come up and be all hey what's going on and I think it's easier to talk to girls sometimes than boys you just kind of make eye contact maybe linger over and then comment on their outfit comment on how they look Make a comment about the weather. There are so many different ways that you can start a conversation with people. Stay off your phone. It's so easy, and I feel like it's how we're wired these days of when you get uncomfortable and awkward, you just look on your phone and you're just bullshit scrolling on Instagram. Throw your phone away. No phone when you're at these events. Okay, I get it. Going to a new function, it can be scary. So if you truly feel the need, bring somebody that you know is okay being by themselves. Maybe the two of you go together, You get there, you have a little powwow, you say, okay, I'm gonna do a lap on this side of the room, you do a lap on that side of the room, we'll meet back here in 20 minutes see what's going on and you never know maybe the person you bring with you will find somebody too dress to impress you only have one shot to make a first impression i'm all about being overdressed instead of underdressed i'd rather walk into an event and be the baddest fucking bitch there than walk into the an event and be like oh man i shouldn't have worn my sweats and my crop hoodie Mm, No, no 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 i'd rather show up in a ball gown and have everybody else in sweats and then be like wow Why is she so overdressed? And be like, wow, why are you underdressed, okay? (laughs) Now, this doesn't mean go over the top, but honestly, go for it. Who fucking cares? If anything, it's a conversation starter. Maybe it's something funny too, depending on the event. I went to an event the other day and the whole theme was socially awkward things. So the lady who was putting on the event had a pair of pants that she bled on from a period. Like, society tells us that's awkward. I put upside-down crosses on my face because Satanism and Satan makes people uncomfortable. This other lady there had toilet paper coming out of the back of her skirt. Little things like that, you know? You never know. It's important to make eye contact when you're at these events. Scan the room. Maybe look at somebody. Do a little smile. Look down. Turn away. Keep scanning. If they're cute, do that whole TikTok trend. It's like... How to look at somebody you find attractive first. Gay, you know, blah, 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 whatever. Always do the shy eye little thing. Look at them, smile, look away, look back at them. Turn your head away. Make them wanting more. Get them to come up to you, but maybe you mingle a little closer to them in the room and just kind of plant the seeds. See what happens, see what they do. If you're a little nervous about starting a conversation with somebody, Just comment on what's going on around you. It may be a little rough the first couple times you do it, but that's okay. You're figuring out yourself and how to interact at these social functions and just socially. So let's say you start a conversation with somebody and then we have a dilemma of knowing if they're single or not. An easy and a smooth way to test the waters is say something along the lines of, Hey, I'm really enjoying this conversation. What would be a good way to connect so we can keep the conversation going? This leaves it open for them to interpret and takes the pressure off of you. If you're worried about coming off too strong or creepy, take it slow. Watch their body language. Are they actually looking at you or looking over their shoulder? Do they seem engaged with the conversation? Are they looking you in the eyes? Are they on their phone? Are their shoulders drawn forward? Are their arms crossed? Are they showing you that they are engaged? So the second thing on Yuri's list for us to meet people in real life is getting set up by friends and family. Personally, this has never happened for me. I wish the best of luck to everybody else out there. How to get people to set you up. One, tell your friends. Be straight up with them. Be like, hey, yo, girl, I'm trying to get this pussy destroyed. You know, any motherfuckers that could stretch me out? Or maybe if you don't want sex, tell them whatever you want. But be straight up with your friends. Your friends have friends and their friends have friends. Plant the seed. Water it. Tell them what you're looking for. A life partner, a prom date, both of them, maybe one of each. It's 2022 you got options send your friends a photo send them like two three cute pics of you so in case they do find somebody for you they already have a picture and they don't have to wait most importantly say yes if someone reaches out to you and they say oh my gosh i have someone that you think you would like say yes even if you see a picture of them and you're like mm, i don't know not really my type say yes go on the date you wanted people to set you up you wanted to get out there and get uncomfortable fucking do it to it baby girl or baby boy fucking do it so now that you've asked your friends and family to set you up, how do you set up your own friends? We all want to find our person and live happily ever after, right? Here's how you can help your homies out. Check out your friends and see who's single. Once you've thought of a match, contact the person you know better and send them the person's info and pics. Don't give them too much information or overwhelm them or give them too little, and then it's the Monet effect. If the second person says no, let the other person know gently. That it's not going to happen. You can't win them all. That's okay. You can say something like, it turns out he's not looking to date. Or I think he just met somebody. If both say yes, connect them with a group chat and maybe even suggest a date they can do together. Obviously, they don't have to do what you suggest. But it's just an icebreaker and it gets the conversation flowing. Now, give them space. Don't micromanage. They're going to figure it out or they're not going to figure it out. You've done your part. Time to poof, smoke bomb into the background. If you're not big on texting friends and setting them up, Host a party, host a social event, and invite both of them and be like, hey, you should come hang out in this party. And then, other person, hey, you should come hang out. And then, when they're there, be like, oh my gosh, so I was talking to so and so yesterday, and they said that they also love the color blue. Isn't your favorite color blue? You guys should talk about the color blue, blah, 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 blah. Something like that, just to get the conversation going. Maybe not colors, because I feel like color conversation can't really go that far, but hey. It's a conversation starter. We're breaking ice over here. So, connect with people you already know. You never know if your person is hiding in plain sight. All you have to do is just see that person in a different light. The idea of dating your friend can be scary because it's all like, oh, what if the friendship's ruined? Or I don't see that person like that. I see them as a brother and sister. But honestly, all it takes is. Being around the person enough and having a couple interactions and then one day you just look at them and you're like, hmm, I think I actually really enjoy you. That is kind of how my last relationship happened. We were best friends for a year prior and then I knew he liked me, but I was all, no, I don't want to, I don't want to do that. I like us too much as friends. Like he's just a goofball. He's silly. And then we were at EDC and we were standing in a crowd and he turned around and looked at me and I looked at him and I said, God damn it, son of a bitch, I think I'm in love with you. And that was it. That was all she wrote. Another technique that you can do to help put yourself out there is introduce yourself to people when you're out and about. They did this study with people who take the train home. They had two carts, one that was quiet and nobody was talking and the other was set up for people to mingle and meet. Most people off the bat chose a quiet cart, but when they checked in with the passengers later, the passengers in the quiet cart had more negative thoughts than the others that were mingling in the mingling cart. Even though when we initially get on, we don't think we want to talk to people, we really do. We're naturally social people. Go out and socialize and mingle. A great example of this is when I was in college, I used to take the shuttle bus out to the Polytech campus in Mesa, and essentially... Because i take it there in the mornings and then evenings, afternoons back. Essentially, I sat by myself almost every single time. But there were a couple times, a couple interactions, where I did sit with kids because of how they had the seats set up. That was only options. And it was really enjoyable riding home and having a conversation with somebody and engaging with somebody. Now, those conversations never went farther than the shuttle bus, but it was cool to talk to somebody on the way home versus just taking a power nap. Mix it up a little bit. Get a little crazy. When you're out and about in the world be approachable don't have your headphones in don't be on your phone look up look around be engaging I know that when I was in college and walking around on campus I was notorious for walking around with my headphones in but not actually having anything playing I just didn't want people to talk to me and I didn't want to engage with people so I just would have my headphones in but nothing actually playing if you actually want to mingle and meet people take a goddamn headphones out Look around, maybe don't wear sunglasses so you can actually make eye contact with people and try it. Do something crazy. Don't do it all the time. Maybe try it for a week and see what happens. Key takeaways. One, while the apps are the most common way to meet people, you can still meet people in real life. Two, go to events. Put yourself out there and try new things. Three, ask your friends and family to set you up on dates. Four, connect with people you already know. Your person may be in plain sight. You just have to change your frame of mind. And five, introduce yourself to people when out and about. Interact with people. If you're on an event and don't know what to say, get in a line and comment on it. People in lines love talking about being in a line. My opener actually used this at a show that I was at this past weekend. We were standing in line for water and I turned to the kid behind me and I was like, hey, you ever think about how much time you spend waiting in lines? And he was all, oh shit, you're right. And then we just bantered back and forth about being in a line in our night. It was great. He was lovely. Now, I hope you all are ready to go swimming because we're going to dive into how to create better dates. When setting up dates, you have to make sure that you're in the right headspace. You have to make sure that the environment of the date is ideal. The environment of the date consists of not only the location of the date, but also where your head is at. Is it early in the morning? Are you fully awake? Do you have a big meeting after your date? Or is it late and you're too sleepy to be cute and flirty? We at times treat dating like an item on our to-do list. We have to make sure that we are mentally prepared to date. This is what Yuri calls evaluative dating. This section, we're going to break down how to change your dating mindset from evaluative to experimental. From reviewing resume qualities and asking, is this person good enough for me? Do we have enough in common? Getting yourself out of your own head and into the moment. How do I feel with this person? Date with a sense of curiosity and allow yourself to be surprised by things. We're also going to break down how to make the best physical and mental environment to find love. Let's get it on. So let's picture this. You walk into a restaurant and your mind is racing. Am I sweating? Did I put deodorant on? Should I have worn another outfit? You walk up to the table and you see your evaluator there. You shake hands and introduce yourselves and sit down. Now, the evaluation starts. Where did you go to school? What is your favorite color? What's your favorite food? Blah, blah, blah. All those basic bullshit questions that we ask all the time that don't really mean anything. They're important to an extent, but they're just surface level bullshit. After about an hour or so, the evaluation is over. You get up, you shake hands, you say, I'll talk to them soon and leave. Does it sound familiar? I know I've definitely been on dates like that. Now think about this. Was that a date or a job interview? Dating isn't easy, and it takes practice. We don't realize it, but we bring our work traits into our dating life. This is not a networking meeting or a job interview. It's a date. This type of date kills any kind of sexual tension. They're flat and boring. We start telling our evaluator the basic response to basic questions that we've been asked all of our lives. The point of the first date isn't to see if you want to marry somebody. It is to see if you're curious about them enough to hang out with them again. 10 Steps to Designing Better Dates Step numero uno, shift your mindset with a pre-date ritual. Mindset is super important, ultimately affects the outcome of your date. Here are some ideas for a pre-date ritual. Blast your favorite music. Say what you want to happen out loud. Manifest that shit. Dance around. Take a shower. Do something that makes you feel sexy. Masturbate. Number two, choose a time and place thoughtfully. Think about what time of day you are most relaxed. Stop going into bright-lit coffee shops. Go somewhere sexier, somewhere a little dark, little sultry. Sit next to them instead of across from them. That's a big thing for me. I always sit across from people. I don't know. I'm a weirdo. As much as eye contact is important, on a first date, it's easier to communicate with somebody if you're not looking them directly in the eyes. Sit next to them. Mix it up. Three, opt for a creative activity. I am... Over going out to eat and going to dinners. I have gone to so many dinners. Trust me, ya girl loves snacks. I love to eat. These legs are hollow. But let's do something fun. Let's do something different. Do something creative. Here's a couple of fun dating ideas that you can try to mix up your routine. Go to a farmer's market. If you live in Arizona, there's tons of them every single weekend. Go skating. There's indoor and outdoor skating rinks depending on the time of year. Do a cooking class. Have a picnic take a dancing class. I've always wanted to do a dancing class. I think That'd be so fun. Okay, so Yuri suggests a really fun dating idea, and I haven't tried it yet, and I really want to. It's called going on a yes date. So one person picks where the date's going to start. Let's say you're going to go to the park and have a picnic. So you go to the park, you have a picnic. Now it's the other person's turn to pick what they're going to do next for the date, and you have to say yes. As long as it's not breaking any laws and it's not against any of your religious beliefs or views, You have to say yes, and you guys go back and forth telling each other what we're gonna do throughout the date. I think it sounds really fun and pretty adventurous, and you never know where it could end up. Number four, show the work. I'm having PTSD to my math classes. People value something more when they see the effort that you put into it. An easy way to show effort is offer to plan the date. As a woman, I love it when a man says, "Hey, this is what we're gonna do. This time, this place. Boom, be ready. I'm gonna swoop you up." I said, "Ooh, okay, let's do it." Number five, play. Think of what your best date was. What made the date so great? You had fun. You had lots of fun. You laughed. You were silly. You were goofy. Do something that is fun and entertaining and where you both can play and show the different sides of you. I think one of my best dates that I've had was I talked to this dude a year, a year or two ago, maybe like a, uh, probably like a year now, off of Hinge, and we dated for like a month. And on our second date, we went and got tattoos, not matching. We went and got tattoos and he was from Washington and he had never been to Tempe before. So I took him to Tempe and I showed him all around Tempe. And I didn't realize how much I knew about Tempe in that day. And it was really fun because it was something new for me too. I'd never walked around and been like, this is this, this is so-and-so. And And we laughed a bunch and had a great time. Didn't end up working out in the long run, but that's okay. Thanks for the tattoo, bruh. Number six, skip the small talk. Ask the questions, the kind of questions matter. Instead of starting your date with, hey, how was your day? Start in the middle of things. Sit down and tell them something that is going on. You won't believe what just happened to me or you won't believe what I just saw. Talk about things that are going on in your life. Get their opinions on things and see how they react. When you ask for their opinion, do they respond in a way that you like? Do they give good advice? All these things are important. Number seven, be interested, not interesting. A lot of people feel like they have to perform on a first date. They feel like they have to seem cool and interesting. Stop putting on an act and just relax. Become a good listener. When we have conversations with people, we listen to have a response. Listen just to listen. Don't make it about you. There's two types of responses. Shift responses and support responses. A shift response is when you make a comment that brings a conversation back to you. A support response indicates that you want to hear more and are interested in what they're saying. Example person says they're going to see an art exhibit shift response would be something along the lines of oh i've been there i really enjoyed it a support response would be something along the lines of tell me more about what you like about the artist number eight limit phone use get the fucking phone out of here this is a little out there for me but maybe try it maybe up the start of the date Suggest to your date that you both put your phones away and you don't go on them unless it's an emergency. Interesting, try it. Nine. End on a happy note. The end of an experience matters. When people judge how they felt about a situation, they judge it on the most intense moment and what they felt at the end of it. So do something fun at the end of the date. Order dessert, give them a genuine comment or compliment, make them laugh, or maybe seal it with a good night, good morning, good afternoon kiss. Do something that ends a date on a high note. And is positive. and number 10 use the post date aid to switch to the experimental mindset when we finish a date we always break it down and run through the experience we have a checklist in our head of things that we liked and we didn't like yuri challenges us to reflect on our date in a different way the next time you finish a date ask yourself these questions how did the person make me feel how did your body feel did you feel more energized or drained Is there something about them that made you curious about them? Did they make you laugh? Did you feel heard? Did you feel attractive in their presence? Were you captivated? You have to allow yourself to experience a date and not treat it like a job interview. Fuck the spark! How to change the myths about instant chemistry. Myth number one, when you meet the right person, you'll feel fireworks. Love at first sight is super rare. Feeling takes time to develop and grow. Just like with me talking about being with my ex, I had to spend a lot of time with him, and he just broke me down over time. <laughs> no, not really. He didn't break me down. He just got to me. You spend enough time with somebody, and then you realize, like, huh, that person's really cool, and I, uh want to make out with them all the time. Studies have shown that the more time we spend with somebody, the more we like them. This also goes for sex. It takes time to figure out somebody's body. That's why one-night stands usually suck and they're not that enjoyable. Both of you guys are awkward, you're probably drunk, and you don't know what the other person likes. It's just a lot of fumbling and fingers in places they don't belong. Myth number two, the spark is always a good thing. It's not. Sometimes that spark that we're feeling inside is actually a sign of how charming somebody is and not a sign of real connection. People also often confuse anxiety for the spark. Stop thinking that if a dependable person doesn't give you attention, it's not love. Myth number three. If you have a spark, the relationship is viable. That spark isn't going to keep the relationship going. Some people get wrapped up in the initial spark and look past all the warning signs. Instead of a spark, let's look for that slow burn. Kind of like Thai food. It doesn't initially burn you. But then when you're pooping the next morning, you're like, oh my god, my butthole is on someone who may not be particularly charming at first but could make an amazing life partner stop looking for the spark focus on kindness and how that person makes you feel now we're gonna get into our last section of this hold on to your butts Go on the second date. How to decide if you should see somebody again. It's really easy once we finish our date with somebody to think about everything you didn't like about the person and all the boxes they didn't check. Keep this in mind. You never want to judge others the way you wouldn't want to be judged. So our sneaky little brains have created this idea called a negativity bias. When you get feedback from a manager or coworker, what sticks with you more? compliments are what you need to work on there's this thing called fundamental attribution error which is our tendency to believe that someone's actions reflect who they are and not what is going on in the moment example if someone shows up late to the date we think of them as selfish instead of being stuck in traffic or as for me i'm late everywhere because i'm a pothead You have to look for the positives. Rather than focus on somebody's negative traits, use your imagination and search for what is desirable and good. If you find yourself always being negative after a date, try this exercise. Text your besties or whomever you talk to about relationships and after you go on a date, send them five positive things that you enjoyed about the person. This helps us to see the good in things and that not all things are bad. Going on a bunch of first dates is cool, but the goal is to find a long-term partner. We're making a new rule that unless this date was a total dumpster fire, go on a second date. You have to give yourself time to know someone. Stop confusing pet peeves for deal breakers. These little things can be easy cop-outs to second dates and putting yourself out there. Now, the trick is, how many dates do you go on until you decide if the is worth your time? There really isn't a set number. It all depends on the vibe of you and that individual and what's going on. Think about all the things that happen when you're with this person. Does this person make you feel good? Do you feel warm and fuzzy? Do you feel like a bad bitch? Do you feel heard? If you feel these things when you're with this person, continue going on the date and see where it leads. Now, if you're with this person and you got bad vibes, it's negative, or maybe at first they seem really cool and as you get to hang out with them more, They make shitty comments at you. They comment about what you're wearing, your friends, the music you like, your hair, your weight, bounce out of that motherfucker. Way too many people in this world to be with somebody who doesn't appreciate you for you. Snaps and claps, baby. We're going to take an oath right here, right now. Everybody get your knives. Cut a little X in your hand. We're going to put our palms together. No more ghosting. Yuri talks about how people often ghost because they don't want to hurt other people's feelings. When actuality, it hurts you and the person that you're ghosting. Stop being a little bitch and tell that person that you were not interested. If you don't know what to say to somebody, send some a message that sounds kind of like this. Hey, insert person's name. I really enjoyed blah, 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 whatever we talked about. I don't think we are a romantic match. However, I enjoyed meeting you. Thank you for your time. I wish you the best endeavors moving forward. Boom. Easy peasy, drop the mic, walk away. When you ghost, you think you're taking the easy path, but really it causes you both more anxiety and stress because then that person reaches out to you and hits you up and they're like, hey, what's up? Hello. I'm trying to go on another date with you. And you're like, mm, I don't have a phone. What's that? Just tell them you don't want to go out with them. I know it's scary. I kind of did this to a dude the other day. And he keeps hitting me up, but I'm going to give him another chance. I'm going to (laughs) try. And I hadn't read this far, so I hadn't made the no-ghosting pact yet. So when you reject somebody, make sure that you're polite, you're clear, and you're short and sweet. You don't want to say, let's be friends if you don't mean it, and you don't want to criticize somebody. Or you don't want to get into a long back and forth if they want more details. Just cut it off smooth and easy send them good vibes. We never want to wish anybody bad. We never want to put any bad intentions out into the world. Thank them for their time and move on to the next. All right, my little sex kittens, that wraps up part two of how not to die alone. I hope you guys are enjoying this. I hope that you're enjoying the sound quality of this mic. What's a sex tip this week? Oh my gosh, let's think about it. Hmm. Okay, sex tip for the week. When having rough sex, I enjoy rough sex. I'm all about rough sex. But crazy dude from Vegas that we talked about last week, when we had rough sex, he literally was choking me and I felt like I was being raped. Even though it was consensual, it was the most uncomfortable I've ever felt while having sex. Not about it. So some tips on having rough sex. I would definitely talk to the person before him, ask them what you're okay with and not okay with. And what, when you say rough sex to them, what does that mean? For me, it means I like being choked. There is a certain way to go about choking somebody. When choking somebody, okay, you have your hand around their neck. You're not pushing down on their windpipe. You are gently squeezing the sides. If you are pushing down on someone's trachea, you will make their trachea collapse, and then you're going to have to stab them with a pen in the neck and put a straw in there and help them breathe. We're not doing that. We're not sending anybody to the hospital. Not okay. Ask them if they're okay with slapping. Some people like being slapped on the face. Some people don't. Me, it depends on the mood, but mm, not really into it. When it comes to hair pulling, you don't just grab a bitch's hair from the fucking ends of it and pull it. No. Come Come around from the base of their neck. Rub your hands in through the bottom. Work your way up. Be as close to the scalp as possible. Get your fingers up in that bitch and then you pull gently. You don't want to be fucking some girl from behind and snap her head back and rip her fucking head off. What's that movie orphan? She wears the uh, necklace to cover up the scar on her neck. Her head falls off. It'd be fucking weird uh, rough sex. Let's all, we can also talk to them about if they're into degrading and what exactly you want to say. Do you want to be called a dirty slut? Do you want to be called a whore? Do you want to be called a princess? What is it about it that makes the sex rough? So I'm all about rough sex, all for it. Just make sure as always, you guys always communicate about what that means for you and your partner. Thank you so much, my little sex kittens, for tuning in this week. I'm so excited to be on this journey with you guys. Thank you all for the love and support so far. I hope you like the sound quality. And my little singing parts because I just feel like singing randomly all the time. If you haven't followed me on Instagram, follow me at Raven After Dark Pod. If you want to see my titties, follow me on OnlyFans. And if you want to buy me shit because why not? I fucking deserve it. And just a little, uh heads up for you guys. My birthday's coming up in July. So if you want to spoil me or buy me presents, I would not say no. I love you all and I'll see you sex kittens next Tuesday.